welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. If you're new here, I just want to say that my name is C.J. Reynolds and I have this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. I started like some years ago and then I started doing these talks on Sundays as a hope to benefit educators that might be feeling uneasy about the week to come. So myself and this community that is in the comment section here and even the folks that watch later and are part of the comments are here to be of service. So if you have a question, you just go ahead and put it in on the side. You can put Q or you can put question, just let us know that there's an actual question and it's not you just dialoguing with someone else. Um, but if you're new, don't be put off that if one of these excellent folks starts speaking to you because that's what we do. This is not this, although it is the real rapid mental sort of show, um, I am I am simply creating the space for us to have conversations that are important. Nothing is off the table here. We will talk about anything um, with regards to uh, I don't know me or or education or views in education or things that kind of like are connected to that. So astrophysicists, I don't know if you're going to find a space here that makes you feel, you know, like this is worth something, but it's possible. Um, and if this isn't enough, I also have a book, which is, oh, snap, it's not even back there. I sent that, I mailed that one out yesterday. Um, I have a book called Teacher Class Off. You can find it on Amazon. The link might be below in the description box if I get to it. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, that's just great. And thank you to all the people that are like putting comment, uh, putting like these great reviews. It is not easy. I, I, have, I have a hard time with compliments and it is something I consistently work on. But to read the reviews, uh are something that is like man it like fills my soul up in these days of quarantine so i thank you to everyone that is leaving like amazon reviews it really means a lot so today real quick um in the interest of time i know that i'm already late showing up here but this isn't going to go a full hour like it typically does because i'm filming the be about it conference which is hope and wade king and uh my friend call me shivy from instagram um albert brooks is uh or Al alfred albert okay. alfred brooks is uh I'm a part of their conference today. And so I need to be on there by two. So we'll, we'll get this pretty close to that, but then it's going to cut off so I can, you know, not, I don't know. I just need to refresh. You got any questions there, buddy? Oh, I actually wasn't even. You were looking at the comments, weren't you? Were you looking at people yeah. we're from? There's actually. I mean, we are in the summer. Uh -huh. So it's like. Christina Rush. Cool. Um, it's Christian. Oh, I know. Wow. Wait, and it's not Rush. It's Rube. Oh, well, I was looking at it from my angle. I'm just saying. I Look, I'm the person with glasses in this. Oh. All right, <laughs> cut me some slack. <laughs> Christian is asking, hi, I'm a teacher in training and a substitute um, and substitute teaching, getting my master's in education. So any advice for those of us substitute teachers? So uh, those of us that the, the people that have been on here before have heard me say this a lot. Um, I substitute taught one time and I hated it so much that I never did it again. Uh, and the reason for that is, I didn't have control over the class. It wasn't my class. I didn't have the connections. I knew it wasn't long-term. It was very, very difficult for me. So I think if, if there was going to be anything, it would be um, if you want to continue to substitute teach, from what I understand, it's like, you know, schools don't want to have to figure it out, right? I know that my school, when we get subs, there's subs that we like and there's subs that we don't. As And you know that if you heard that a certain sub was in your class that day, there's a good chance things might be broken. Things might be out of place. The kids didn't do work. Someone went to the bathroom for 45 minutes. You have zero, like it could go completely sideways. I think it's about not teaching a class, right? And you're not even a substitute teacher. What you're doing is you are 
trying to hold it down, right? You're, you're being of service to the teacher that is out and trying to be of service to the students that are there that want to do the work. So I think that that is maintaining a, a civil amount of, of chill in the room and trying to create space so kids can actually do work. Now, look, if you know the subject matter, so like when I covered a science class before, I didn't really feel prepared to be able to help those kids because I didn't know anything about science. But if I was in a reading class or um, or a literature class or a writing class, that's my wheelhouse. So that's like my sweet spot. And I feel like I could really help students with that. So I think if I was going to take something away from, sub from substitute teaching, it would be practicing um, connecting with students, practicing um seeing how they learn what they learn what they think it's, it's i think i'd just be collecting intel and trying to figure out how i would want to to run my class when i get it so that's that would be my best piece of advice what you got there buddy um cheyenne is asking hey what's your video what's your video where you talk about introducing novels through kids books i'm looking forward i'm looking uh geez i'm doing a great job of reading i'm thinking about doing that in my class for my first year of teaching. I need more guidance. So um, I, for those of you that don't know, I teach uh, <clears throat> one of the things I do in the beginning of the year. Um, and this is only with certain classes. I, I've never done this with, I don't think I've ever done this with every class. I kind of feel it out if they can, if they can get down with it. We read children's books and we very specific children's books to look at like certain elements of what we're going to be learning that year. So it's like an introduction to symbolism, imagery. Uh, it could be an introduction to like the plot development. It could be an introduction to climax to, or that's part of plot development, but um, to like conflict, uh, character, like what types of characters are in a book, stuff like that. So it is, it's just a fun way instead of reading a bunch of short stories to read some really short stories, but they have to be done like in a certain way where there is an actual arch in the story. So Pete, the cat, um, giving tree, even though there's not really an arch in that story so much. Uh, I mean, there is, but it's not like that classic, like exposition, climax resolution kind of thing. Um, there is anything by Oliver Jeffers is really great. So I have, I forget what video that's in. And I just watched it the other day. I know. Um, let me see. Can we make a, a note? Yeah. Can you just, if you have that question up, can you just screenshot it? Shane, I'm going to try and find out where that was and I'm going to get it to you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Shoot me an email at realrapwithreynolds at gmail.com. Actually, you don't even have to do it right now because if she sends me an email, then we don't have to worry about it. Um, if you send me an email, I will send you the links to those videos because I talked about it in several different videos. Uh, and then what should happen is if I can find some of them, it will automatically link you to the other ones. It'll say like, oh, if you like that, then we recommend this video. So yeah, because I found... So I was watching some of my old stuff the other day for a new idea that I had. Uh, yeah, that's that's, that's good. Um, Amanda Davis, uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Amanda Davis. What do you do to prepare for the year to come? Open to everyone, especially primary and kindergarten teachers. So, um, so this is a question for everyone that Amanda's asking. So what do you do to prepare for the year to come? I am finding that this summer it is all about mental preparation. Um, and so I have a video planned to, to shoot this week about this, where I am, I, I don't know what's to come, right? So like, we are going through major changes um, at our school. We have uh, 
we have a new principal this year. There's no vice principal. There's no dean. There's no like our the guys that help become SSOs or like guys that help us sort of like manage um, behavioral needs and stuff like that are all all changed. Um, a ton of teachers, including my friend Cho, are not coming back next year. Uh, my friend Yonkers is not coming back next year. So like all of my friends are not coming back next year. Not all of my friends. A majority of my friends are not coming back next year. That are the folks that I connect with the most when I do school. Um, that being said, it's I don't know if we're going back to the classroom. I don't know if we're going teaching from home. I don't know what other teachers I'm partnering with. Uh, like, like there's too many unknowns this year. That being said, what I can focus on is my mental space, is my physical health, is my like if I'm if I have to go back to school, like making sure that my body is at peak performance in terms of being able to handle the health, you know, the. I, what I'm imagining is like uh, my deteriorating, um, like what are they? What am I thinking of? What's the word that I'm thinking of? I don't know. Don't when you don't get sick, your immune immune system. system. Yeah, like I've been using more hand sanitizer than I've ever used in my life, and and like I think I have such a strong immune system because I interact with students all day long. So, how can I be at my best so that no matter what happens, it's not as much of a punch, right? So, like if you practice boxing and you get punched. It doesn't lay you out, right? Unless you're boxing Mike Tyson or something like that. But like, but you, if you're not used to it, it will kick your ass. And so you have to be prepared to take those punches. And so what I'm doing is mentally and physically training myself to be able to be at my best for this year. And that looks like a lot of things. That looks like hanging out with Cho came over last night and we just sat in the garden and like had drinks until like, I don't know, almost two o'clock in the morning. Um, it's connect like going out with my my kids getting sunshine getting vitamin d doing the things that i enjoy doing um taking a nap in the afternoon like having that rest and that peace of my life to to really um put me at my best place so that i can go back at, at that level is what i'm looking to do mike d is asking uh, i'm running a pd for administration about helping teachers coaching teachers with tech engagement in the classroom in regards to online learning what would be some good tips for administration to know? Mike, I think that I, I would really want admin to know that there's there are no silver bullets here, right? Like we are all trying to figure this out in like in the moment. And so what that looks like to me is giving teachers room to fail, to try stuff. So maybe there's certain apps or online platforms or websites that teachers are, are thinking about using, but it's like, try it. If it doesn't work for you, then maybe consider something else. So um, although I'm doing a brand deal with them, I'm going to talk about them anyway. So just caveat, like this is not like a promotional thing, but um, HMH, uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, Harcourt is, uh, that's why we just call them HMH has some really great free resources on their website right now. Um, Scholastic, who I've done brand deals with in the past also, has really great free resources. The New York Times, which I have no affiliation with, has really great resources. Type in New York Times lesson plans. Maybe some of that stuff works. Maybe you try it and it doesn't work. Maybe you try Google Classroom and you want to do videos for your class, but you're finding that they're not building that engagement. It is, I think, the game is trying stuff and trying to figure it out because this is a brand new world for so many of us and although certain brands certain companies certain schools curriculum you know creators are going to tell you 
that this is what you need, that it is this program. I don't think that it works like that ever, right? It's like so many other things in life. You have to see what works for your students and the kids you had that you're going to get next year are not your kids you had last year. So it's going to be a new set of needs that those students have. That being said, I think the other thing is engagement, man. We like, I get it. Look, you're sitting in your house. You're tired of all this. It's been a long, like very kind of grueling end of the school year for so many of us. And you can't go out and you can't see your friends and the beach is like, everyone's getting freaking coronavirus on the beach. So it's like making me not want to go to the beach. And like, there's all these normal things we do that we're not doing, but you have to figure out a way to fill yourself up so you can give and give at like a level where look, you don't have to teach all these classes every day. Can you hone it in for a three to five to six minute class? That's going to be epic where it's funny. It's silly. It's engaging. It's really thought provoking. It's impactful in some way to students. And I think it's that engagement piece because that's where we're going to lose students because look, our kids live in a YouTube world and I'm not asking anyone to just go out there and be a TikToker or a YouTuber. I don't think, I don't know if TikToker is a word, but now it is. Oh, it is. It literally just came out with a business platform. I saw like Guess who's in the know before ago. most people, this guy who's not a TikToker, but um, <laughs> they, it is, you know, when you think about like, look at some of your students' favorite YouTubers, what are they doing? What makes this plat, these platforms work? And then how can I implement some of these things? So that's that's what I'm thinking about with regards to that. Uh, Erica is asking, question, my district is offering online learning for the next year uh, or so, in, or year or so, I think it's supposed to say year or so in class. I'm entertaining the idea of homeschool, pros and cons versus home versus virtual. Um, we don't know what virtual will look like. Is Wife? That, I don't understand. Is the question for like, for being a teacher or for like um, a parent with a child, like with the option of going to virtual or uh, the classroom. Let's we can speak to both of them because even if that wasn't her intention, uh, speak to the homeschool piece though. Well, I don't know if you're virtualing with a school that is way different. Distance learning is different than homeschool. They're not the same thing. Um, homeschool, it depends on your state. It depends on the regulations and the requirements. I know in New Jersey, there isn't any which is one of the most beautiful things about homeschool in, in Jersey is that there are literally no guidelines. Uh, we get to do whatever we want. I don't have to report to anybody, which is a great thing. Um, I didn't nudge you on purpose. That was I an accident. I just like, Virtual I like learning just sitting back like and hearing you talk about this. It's such is, a different thing. It's impressive. I don't think it's anything like homeschool. <laughs> um, I think that we, I think that as educators in general and as a nation, um, as the world, we overcomplicate education all the time. You, no one knows your kids like you know them. And unless, I would say, unless your students have very specific needs that need to be met, like they need a certain type of reading program or tutor to help them. They are extremely gifted and you're like, dude, I don't know how to do that math and there's no way I'm going to learn faster than you are so I can teach you. That that might be something to take in consideration. But if you feel that you can meet the needs of your own student. I think homeschool is 100% the way. Um, we started homeschooling our own kids last year. They have very specific needs. And the goal is to get them into a school that is more suitable for them, right? Like pay for a private school, which is what a lot of this work goes towards. Um, but it is like, it's right now, I'm telling you that our son has never been happier since he started school. 
than he is right now as, as a homeschool student, right? That means that you are trimming down the fat. It means that you are chunking up lessons. It means you can take breaks. It means your kids can go outside in the afternoon. It means you can have class on the beach. It means your kid can sleep in a little bit later or stay up a little bit later because you're not held to that strict schedule of the school, which for our kids, for my specific child with his specific needs, created a lot of anxiety in that in that place of like yes. freaking out that like you know we were going to be late and the teacher's going to be mad and but he has a hard time focusing and paying attention it's like you have to literally stand behind him when he brushes his teeth and it's like oh my gosh please brush your teeth let me actually do them for you um <laughs> it's like that you're just getting rid of all that stuff getting rid of school lunch you're getting rid of the which is trash where, where we live so it's all there's all this goodness and you're connecting with your child i was gonna say it's very relate relationally based right so yeah. like the learning happens even not just through always like the same way that it happens in a school building it happens much more yeah uh through conversation and through talking about things and wondering things and why questions and all of those because virtual learning the way to answer it's happening in our neighborhood sorry i cut you off there at the okay. end. um i don't see that as a good fit for our children right some kids are thriving with that some kids i had in school that did really really well with virtual yeah. learning so let's let's do the flip of this so let's say that that question um although i don't think it was about this let's say it was about um should we do virtual learning or classroom learning next year like which one should folks be leaning towards i with all my heart think that really Without knowing all the science, right, caveat, the science seems very separated depending on who you're listening to, what channel you're watching, what news platform you pay attention to. Seems like there's like two sides of this coin, right? There's two different opinions. I think that if we can pull it off as a country, as a world, that virtual learning is so much more the move right now. And the reason for that is if I think about, look, if I really think about, I'm going to say both sides of the coin here. The students that I serve, right, which is what I can see and what, what I connect with and, and what is my world, that live with grandparents, that have compromised immune systems, the idea that they would go to school, interact with people, even though the best of intentions are there to keep it safe and clean and, and all that stuff, going home and potentially getting someone sick, potentially dying, that is of huge concern to me. The rate of asthma in, if you live in a city is so much higher than anywhere else that you could live. And so- that being, uh, you know, a fact is something that, you know, when we have something like coronavirus that's attacking your lungs is, is dangerous, man. You know, and the idea that I would have to, go, and look, I'm not, I know there's a lot of essential workers out there, but that, you know, teachers would have to go to school and then come home to their families, potentially bringing something home that you don't want to bring home and infecting your whole family also is difficult. That being said, I understand that a lot of parents can't do um, they can't do like, like, what are they supposed to do when you have a five-year-old and you count on school and you can't go to school, like, and they're not going to school. Like what happens to your work? I get that. I'm not really, I don't have an answer for that, but like, um, I, I think that that's kind of the move. And, and I look at a school like mine and I'm like, I don't know how we do in class. Like my room looks big online. It's not that big. If I have to separate kids six feet, I'm going to have like freaking four kids in my classroom at any given time. So I don't know how we, we pull that off. But that's that's my uh, 10 cents on that. Uh, Amari is asking, uh, I'm going to start teaching this October. And I'm wondering what language should I use with first year EFL students? Um, look, I would say this is an interesting question. 
I think it's meeting the kids where they are and bringing them up to where they need to be. So it's about looking at your school curriculum, looking at what the school expects, what the district expects. But then if you meet your students, so if they are <clears throat> um, English as a second language, it's it's bridging the gap, right? It is, I, I have found, and, and look, this is my limited experience. I, do, I speak like 10 words of Spanish. Um, Marley and I are actually trying to learn Spanish right now as part of our quarantine summer, but um, it's doing, it, for me, it was like, I remember I had this young lady that was in my first year that I ever taught, um, Demania, and Demania could not speak any English. She could understand a little bit, like if she, like if I gave like simple directions, but mainly there was a young woman that sat next to her, Nicole, that used to translate everything for me all the time. <clears throat> How I sort of met that need, not speaking Spanish, was I created space after school where all the kids that spoke English um, as their secondary language, like meaning at home, it was all Spanish in the neighborhood, it was all Spanish with their friends, it was all Spanish. I created a space after school where those folks could show up, boys and girls, and get, um, get tutoring from me where I would go through everything again, trim the fat, and take it slow. And in doing that, you were creating a space that really made kids thrive where they realized that they weren't lacking. They weren't behind. They weren't less than everyone else. They had the same stuff going for them. There was a language barrier and you were going to do everything that you could bring all the resources you could, any of the other people that you could to be the best, to create a situation where those students could grow. Now, I will say that Demania just from by nature of being in a space that it was like a necessity to learn English and hearing people all the time, being taught in English, reading English all the time, she did grow. And like, by the time she was a senior, I mean, I met her not uh, too long after she graduated, I was in a store and she came up and she was like, oh my gosh, Mr. Reynolds. And she had a baby and she was showing me the baby and we were having this conversation. And I remember stopping and going, I can't, like, it just blows my mind how much growth folks can have when they need to. And I remember saying to her, like, I'm like, I can't believe we're having this conversation in English where when I met you, you would just stare at me all the time. Like, bro, <laughs> no, no idea what you're, what you're saying. I remember her. Now, I remember you being like, I don't know what to do. Dude, it was because it was terrifying, man. Because yeah. you're just like, oh my gosh, but you forget how much people can grow. So yeah. I would meet them where they are. If you have to start speaking in Spanish or teaching in Spanish and then transition, get after it. That's what I would do. <clears throat> so that's what I'm thinking about. Um Great job, though. That's a great question. And it's really awesome that you're even being thoughtful like that. Um, I'm going to say your name wrong. Maybe. Adebe? I think I got it right. I'm going to go with it. A-D-I-B-E-H. Adebe. I'm going with it. Um, cute kid, by the way. Unless that is you. Unless you are the little child in the picture, which <laughs> would be in awesome. Um, question. I want... To be a teacher, but I am still in my freshman year. Any advice of college? So <clears throat> I think that's fine. Um, I didn't know I wanted to be a teacher until like way after how old you were. I didn't start teaching until I was 27. I think if you want to teach, it's about <clears throat> speaking to an advisor, seeing how you have to switch your focus of what you are focusing on in school right now, like whether you're undeclared major or um if you like, want to move into that major now, it's just about speaking with someone and getting those things shifted over. If not, it's about teaching yourself. I mean, I think I learned more. I learned more useful stuff about education through conversations with other people, through podcasts, through blogs, through YouTube videos, through books that I read on my own, right? Educating myself 
than I ever did in college. And so I, I, that's what I would encourage you to do. I, I think um, stuff that I would start off with is like, I always say anything by Rafe Esquith, <clears throat> anything by Father Gregory Boyle, anything by Jonathan Kozel, um, or my book, Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide. Um, so I, there's a ton of books out there that you can start off with. It's just about like going down that rabbit hole and finding things that really excite you. Um, and that is what got me through like the English part of my college years when I knew I wanted to go for education. So I started reading about like John Taylor Gatto, or I started reading about um, what are those crazy schools that our friends started uh, where kids like direct their own learning. What? Reggio Emilia. What is that stuff? Uh, when you like, just go, you like go to school. It's very hippie. Oh, Montessori. Yeah. Montessori schools. <laughs> they were so fascinating to me. Um, and it was like, I didn't even know what a Montessori school was when I, when I started teaching, but that idea was mind boggling to me. So yeah, if you, here's the thing, whatever you want to do, you got to find a way to just get obsessed about it. That's how I've only ever achieved anything in my life. When I wanted to graduate college, when I wanted to get chicks to marry me, when I, uh, <laughs> when I wanted to, uh, like buy a house when I wanted to start a business, it's getting hyper focused on something and just charging after it um, and getting, you know, borderline obsessed with it. And that's how I, I get anything in my life. Um, but I like how you talk about uh, cross training for teaching. So someone in yeah. here made a great comment to this person. I don't know how to say your name. Yep. Ortiz. Hootzillion Ortiz. Yeah. I think I said that. I don't really know if I said that right. I apologize if I didn't, but um teaching certificate was so it says my teaching certificate was just dotting it's just dotting i's and crossing t's the real pedagogy came from everywhere but my teaching education classroom yep and, and you have to remember too that <clears throat> all the things you're doing in life right so like speaking to ortiz's comment it can be teaching yourself about education or it's learning about yourself it's learning about learning it's learning about um, social emotional well-being of people it's learning about trauma it's learning about all these other things and then seeing what has your life taught you that you're going to then is going to impact your classroom because it's going to impact your classroom whether you want it to or not your life will impact your classroom and so it is looking for the useful bits of that did you lose someone was someone born did you have a child at an early age have you been through a rough marriage were you in foster care um have you had a wonderful life that your parents got along and loved you and supported you and is the greatest thing ever all that's going on for the type of educator that you're going to be so it's like diving into that stuff is is really good what's up oh nothing we are we're heavy on the hater on the uh yeah. On the trolls today. Good job, Tracy Pinter. I see you in there taking care of business. Thank you, because it's not even coming up on my phone. It's because Tracy Pinter's taking care of business before we get to it. I um, She's great. I think it's because we trend on Sundays now. Which is awesome. Like, if you go to, like, who's live right now, I think we're we're up there. Uh, Jeffrey is asking, do you still have connections with the Letter Classroom? I really love how the both of you talked about education. Um, I have talked about this before. Um I'll just say no. I don't. I, I don't have a connection with Letter Classroom anymore, um, uh, and not I, not by my own sort of doing. It was like I want to, but um, can't connect with those that don't want to connect with you. So that that was like the end of Upgrade Ed, which I've spoken about in other videos and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. So moving on. Moving on. Because I just I I don't I don't mean to be dismissive of that. Um, 
the video that we made with regards to like getting started teaching or so you want to be a teacher, I think we called it or something like that was really, really good. I felt like it was really great stuff. Um, but yeah, life just goes another way sometimes. Um, Lisa funky haired teacher. Well, you win the award for best name this evening. Um, I have a flexible seating classroom with uh, shared supplies, not thinking that it will be that that will happen next year. So any suggestions on how to keep the flexible seating <clears throat> by keeping CDC guidelines? Yeah, this is a really great question. Um, I, my, my instinct would be, are those, is that flexible seating just distance apart? enough it's you know i think what the, what this is going to do is challenge us that like you know kind of the cool thing about the flexible seating that i offer in my classroom with with the exception of my couch is um which i wonder if that's going to be an issue this year like if they're even gonna i wonder if it's even gonna be there when you get back yeah i know i wouldn't i wonder if they throw it out i'm gonna have to go get a new couch a plastic one to go old school plastic slip covers Can on we that put thing partitions in it like in between each cushion we'll just get chairs like, as long as it's a three-person couch and it's got three separate cushions yeah. we'll just put we'll but just I, build something okay yeah yeah that's all right. that's what i do so i think it's going to be reimagining some of those things but the stand-up desks that i have are already several feet apart from one another um and so i think it's just taking some of that idea and reimagining it we cannot go without certain things like that like like certain fidgets that I give kids. But I mean, look, CDC guidelines are saying like, if a kid doesn't have a pen or a pencil, you cannot give them one. Like, it, it's like, you're not allowed to do that stuff. This was what I read. I don't know if there's like a newer version and they changed that, but it just seems crazy. So I think some of that is like reimagining what that, how you're going to meet the needs of those students. And I would say, here's why, here's why there's like not a, necessarily a definitive answer on this yet. Because I don't know that any of us really understand what this looks like when we go back in the classroom. Will kids be able to move around? Can they not move around? Are they separated and still are they, you know, like, like, are there half the amount of students in your class that there normally are? What is that actually going to look like? So I think once we understand what that's going to look like, we can start reimagining and, and looking at some of those things. So that's a really great question, but I really love to also answer that in September after I've gone back, um, if we go back and then kind of say, all right, here's what we're figuring out now. Like, this is the new thing we're figuring out. Um, Jamie is asking, do you have a list of the picture books that you use? So I do, do I have a list? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Like, I, I list them in the video, but it is, oh gosh, I'm trying to think if I have them on my Amazon. So not most of my live feeds don't have the description boxes not filled in below because i wait till uh, yeah, i wait for thumbnails and it just takes a long time for my wife to get to them sometimes um <laughs> but if you go to any video that has the description box filled in there is a space in there where i have an amazon store and look i'm going to make two cents off of your purchase so just you know know that i'm you know know that we're making total bank off. yeah that. we're making bank off <laughs> it so if you go in there i i believe i have a number of children's books that i use some of them are weird. It's like the giving tree, anything Pete the cat. There's a really great story called hot hens and Ralph and the story of the weirdo winter by my friend, Derek Brown. Um, the anything Oliver Jeffers, like I said, uh, what else? And then there's just some weird books, how to get a girlfriend. That was the best book Brody ever brought home in like From what? The, the Scholastic second or fair. third grade <laughs> scholastic fair, how to get a girlfriend. It was written by little boys 
and it was like but be nice but um, couldn't read wash your armpits at that uh at Dude. that time so he had no idea when he picked it up which made it even more i think older. he just liked the look of it yeah and, but like the art on the man <laughs> it was like to see your kid come i got a book today and it was like oh uh are we even interested in this yet? this little book no it was. It was cute. he wasn't he used to kiss girls in chapel remember that oh, don't say that. i shouldn't tell that story all right it was hilarious um marie cook is asking we are all we will be doing a hybrid model next year uh, two days with cohort A and two days with cohort B teach the same thing with both practices done at home. No Zoom during home days. Uh, feels no win. Any tips? So, Marie, I'm, I, we are we have a similar kind of like insane thing, except what we're doing is, let's say on Monday, if I have a second period class, half of that class comes in at a, in the morning, then the other half of that class comes in in the afternoon. And then the off days we're supposed to be doing distance learning. Here, here's what I will say on the internet in front of everyone. Um, I will do what I feel like is best for my students. And I that won't be a solo decision. It will be made with my community that I, that I, that I teach with. It'll be made with the community and people that I know on here. Um, but it will not be done with policy just being, I, I will not just take anything that someone tells me to do and then do it if I don't feel like it's benefiting students. So for instance, we're supposed to give homework at school. Like it's like in like, it's like a thing that we do. I don't give homework. Um, I don't think that's necessary. And, and the way that I teach my class and the way that I run things, I think that there's very, well, I'll say I give very, very little homework, but um, I don't give an hour a night like is prescribed. I just choose not to. Uh, my homework should take 10 to 15 minutes a night if you get it. And that's maybe two times a week. So, but that's how I reimagine the situation, right? And I know it works for my students and I see it work for my students. So I keep doing it um, in that way for my students. So I think what this is, you know, what I'm trying to fight off is going back, seeing the schedule that the school sent out, seeing the idea that they have um, and not sweating it knowing that this is going to be malleable, it's going to have to change because we're not the only voice. It's let it's parents informing schools that this is not working for my kid. This is too much for my kid. They can't be on a live Zoom call every day. They can't do this. They can't do this. They can't do this. And it's going to be this constant like reinvention of what we're doing to get to a place where we're like, okay, like we're pretty good, right? So I think it feels like um, we're on a balance beam and you have a, an idea Oh, what that balance beam is going to do. But it's like, once you get on the balance beam, it's like trying to figure that out until you're like, oh, okay. All right. I think I got it right now. And it's still a precarious place, right? Like to be on a balance beam. Um, Cause any small shift could like make you fall off, but it's trying to figure that out. And I think we do that as a community and don't just take whatever is given to you. Cause it has to be about the kids. And oftentimes, whether it's the board, whether it's the district, whether it's the union, it is not, these decisions are not made with children in mind. They are made with other, like policy in mind or, or things that we need to be doing. And it's, you know, it's about entering in and making the kids first is, is the gig. Um, let's do, just do one more. Cause I only have 15 minutes. So I have to be on that call and I want to be on early. Mm, sure. Okay. Well, um, two more cause I have to okay, cool. So two more. And then I got to go to be a part of this conference that I'm doing today. Um, that's getting recorded at two o'clock. Um, Swim chick, what's up, buddy? I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Um, hey, oh, hey, Reynolds, it's been a while since I called a live session. All right, cool. Um, with my second year of teaching, looking 
like it will be online for the first semester. Any ideas on how to make relationships with students? I think that, you know, what I'm what I'm feeling is that it is all about intentionality. It's all about showing that you care and that you're showing up and being authentic. And when we can do that, um, whether it is virtual, whether it is in real life, real life clearly is like that. That is like my my jam. But if I can connect with students, show some authenticity and show that I really, really want to do well, no matter what, I think that wins the day. Um, so if you are on a Zoom call and you're not making it just about class, but you're just doing a quick check-in, if you're doing follow-up Zoom calls or phone calls or texts or WhatsApp or whatever with families, it is, it is that sort of intentionality that is going to let students and their families you are actually about them growing and succeeding, even in the midst of all this madness. I have been thinking a lot about this idea that we like, look, and I, I don't want to go too much into like my, my sort of like uh, religious beliefs, but I think it's worth posing the, the idea of what if we were born for this? What if you were supposed to show up in this time, in this era to have everything from the social justice movements that are happening right now, quarantine happening right now, like the school year looking the way the school year is going to look next year. Like what if we were born for this stuff? And if you feeling like bummed out about it. Um, nice question. Sorry. That's Coop Carter. Okay. It's just such a good one. Cool. Melissa Hewitt, uh, last question. Um, and my wife said it's a good one. So, so does Mr. James P. He agrees with me. Mr. James P. is such a guy. <laughs> He's such a nice guy. Um, I noticed that as the world goes crazy and unknown and the unknowns increase, people are starting to crack and quote unquote bleed over each other. I see it in gardening groups, in the Real Rapid Rounds group, etc. Some of these uh, conversations get mean. What do you think? What do you do to be engaged in the conversation, but also uh, keep out of the line of fire? So. That's a great question. Um, there, so the Real Rap with Reynolds Facebook group. So if you're not a part of it, it's it's there. You can sign up for it. You just have to answer three basic questions so we know that you're an educator we, or, or want to be an educator and you're not like a business or something like that. There have been issues lately with regards to the group where there's been like a couple of people um, that have started. Uh, some people would say that they're trolling, right? And trolling meaning like, they are saying things with the intention of getting an emotional response from folks. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with um, any group, whether, yeah, like you said, gardening, friend groups, uh, family things. It's like this welling up of like everyone's stuff is coming up because we've like, because, because look, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter are not escapes anymore. It is real stuff going on on there all the time. And, and it's not so much like, here's my feet up on Friday or me and the dogs in the pool or stuff like that. What do we do when <clears throat> the news is so overwhelmingly crazy with a hundred things, whether it's like what some country is doing, nuclear you know, stuff that's coming up um, with stuff with regards to black lives matter or with shootings or cops or school or quarantine or whatever it, I, I think it is, how do I address it without staying out of the line of fire is um, I, you know, Mr. Rogers said a long time ago to in times like this, what we need to do is look for the helpers. 
Because what we can often do too many times is look at the problem and see what the problems are instead of thinking that this is actually some, like that there are actually people behind the scenes that you don't see because they're not talking to the television screen because they're busy doing work that are doing work, that are doing the best that they can to show up and to be, be of, of service. I think there's a couple of things that we can keep in mind in this time. I think one is intentionality. Um, and in, in that intentionality is willingly showing up to, to add your voice. We cannot, this is, I, I'm a strong believer in um, St. Francis's words where he says, uh, preach always and when necessary, use words, right? And that doesn't have to be religious context. That could be a whole lot of different things. Preach always when necessary, use words, meaning love is a verb, meaning that you have to show up and do that you can't just say, I love you. You got to show you love. I love you. I can't just say I support you. I got to show I'm supporting. I can't just say that I'm anti-racist. I got to show that I'm anti-racist. This is that time in history where we need to show up and do that. But I think it's also having empathy for people. It is identifying the fact that folks are on the edge, that they are feeling some type of way, that they're having a really hard time with what's going on and that their emotions are, are they're quick to anger because, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on. Um, I think it is about never giving up. I think that love always shows up. And when we can remember that, then we are, then it's easier to just keep showing up day in and day out. Um, and I, what I would meditate on is one, the things that you're able to bring and not just the deficits that you have. And then also that this is a long-term game, right? Like anyone that's looking for a quick fix, anyone that thinks policy is going to change, racism is going to end, that quarantine is going to end in the next, you know, two months, two minutes is, is fooling themselves. What we need to remember is that just like in education, it is always about the personal connections. It is always about having empathy for people. It's always about showing up every day and being consistent and never, ever, ever giving up. I had a student the other day, Miles Henry, um, that is someone I was very close to when he was in school, but he had a very difficult time in traditional school. And I wasn't sure that I ever got through to him or that anyone did. Um, he hit me up the other day in a DM and told me how much he's like, you have no idea, especially in my senior year, how much you impacted my life. And I don't know that you'll ever really know. And then he sent me this really long, beautiful DM. And, and what, what that reminded me of is, look, gang, we don't know what the impact is that we're having on the world, right? But we can show up with good intentions. We can show up with empathy, with love, with support, with care, and with a growth mindset. And that is enough. You are enough to be able to do the things that you need to do in those spaces, in those times with that mindset. Um, and then wait it out. You have no idea what, you know, what Miles Henry's are out there for you that you might be impacting that you had no idea was the case. So um, with that, I'm going to end it this week. I got to go jump on this thing for the B about it. It's the, uh, the hope we King and uh, my buddy call me Shivy um, are doing a, a conference. And so that's what I'm jumping onto today about uh, it, it, with, with the conversation being around this idea of race right now. And how do we go from protest to advocacy? Like how was this actually look like in our schools and in our classrooms going forward? So um, that's it gang. I really, really love this group. I just want to say that. I really care about you guys. I really appreciate that you show up and you and you are just bringing your all and sharing your thoughts and feelings and helping one another. Thank you so much for that. Um, that's it, gang. Peace.